know what you're thinking. If you've been in church very long, you know the book of James. We, we tread lightly on the book of James. The book of James will hurt your feelings. Can I get an amen? Uh, in reality, though, I guess it's <clears throat> exactly how I would think the brother of James would conduct himself, or the brother of Jesus would conduct himself. We've been talking about, if you tuned into Deep End, you know we're kind of talking about something I've just been studying on, and that is our words, uh, relationally, how things can be impacted uh, positively or negatively with our words, with our tongue. And at Deep End Wednesday on Facebook Live, I talked about the, the, the practicality of the way James unpacks chapter 1 and, and the responsibility that you and I have as Christ followers to handle ourselves and be a good steward of our words. And, and we should be managers of how things come out of our mouth. We should be tremendous stewards of body language and tone and inflection. Does anybody get what I'm saying? You ever, you, ever, you ever misunderstood someone? Oh, but in your mind you're saying, I didn't misunderstand them. They said exactly what they said. Wednesday I said, Dwayne and I have been talking about it. We, you can be, you can be 100% right and be 100% right and 100% right and just keep being right until you write somebody out of your life. Until you write yourself down to the lawyer's office. Now, here's, here's, here's what you're not hearing me say so that I'm not misunderstood because Kim hates that. I'm not saying compromise. I'm not saying don't speak the truth in love. But what I am saying very clearly is you, 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 you shouldn't be right at someone. You should be right with someone. And there's a difference. Uh, and and Dwayne, we, we do, we laugh about it. We laughed about it on Thursday morning that it was, or Friday morning, it was, it was the reality of some of my most horrible husband moments, some of my worst dad moments, some of my worst pastor moments, you get, is when, is when I didn't try to understand, I was trying to be understood. And and I want to get so much better at this with my wife because I'm not real good at it. Because I'm, I'm all about checks and balances and just give me some facts. And one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to get so much better at with Miss Kim and all, everyone is I need to lead with, do you want comfort or do you want solutions? Because if you want comfort, I won't give you the solutions. Because sometimes people don't need solutions. They need to know you care. And so I, I'm trying to lead with that, and I'll ask Ms. Kim, okay, I hear you. Do you want comfort if you want solutions? Because I've got 16 solutions reeling around right here, and I'm ready to start firing them out. And she's like, no, you're good. When you find the book of James, go to chapter 3, please. Power of words. And again, I'm not just talking about positive talk. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about your glass being half full. I'm talking about how your words can make or break you and your effectiveness. 
James, the brother of Jesus, he wrote this incredible book of the New Testament. It bears his name. If you find the book of Hebrews, go right and you'll find it. It's one of the more difficult books, in my opinion, to digest, but it is very um, relevant. It's very relational and it's very practical. So I just want to keep this message in just practical. I, I'm not planning to reinvent the wheel. I probably won't even say anything you haven't already heard, but I believe God wants us to be reminded that this tongue in our mouth is untamable. It's untamable. And I believe this is so practical and I believe it is so powerful that whether you're a Christ follower or not, whether you're just here kicking the tires or, or, you, or you came upon an invitation of someone else and you're not ready to go all in with Jesus Christ, man, I'm so glad you're here. We're all so glad you're here. But the reality is this is so practical and so helpful that even before you give your life to Jesus, if you would start implementing these truths and these principles, you'll be a more effective communicator to the people you do life with. So take this back to your boss. Just kidding, don't do that. James chapter 3, if you got to say amen. If you're clearly just going to read the verses off the screen, say amen. Yeah, I love honesty. <laughs> Verse 2, James chapter 3. We all stumble in many ways. Pause. I didn't get past five words. Truer words have never been written. Truer words have never been communicated by anyone in the scripture than what James is saying right here. So, so I want you to be validated that you ain't perfect and I'm not perfect. That everyone stumbles somewhere, some way. And, I, and again, I, I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news, but we need to understand that we are all on level playing field when it comes to our words. In other words, what is required of me by Jesus is required of you. I'm a stumbler, you're a stumbler. We're a bunch of stumblers. He says we all stumble in many ways. Listen to this next statement. Anyone who is never at fault, and that's our goal, right? We don't, we don't start out to fail. We don't start out to be jerks. We don't start out to get in an argument with our spouse. We don't start out trying to get fired from our boss. So our goal should be, I want to hit the nail on the head. I want to knock this out of the park. I want my words. I want my tone. I want it to be perfect. And James says anyone that is never at fault and what they say is perfect. And when they keep their tongue in check, they are able to keep their whole body in check. So whatever it is that you're stumbling on, it may, you may think it doesn't involve your words, but James just laid a bomb on us and he says, if you can manage your mouth, your whole body will be in check. I'm, I don't do that that well, but I'm, that's my goal. Anyone, anyone who is never at fault and what they say is perfect, able to keep, God, this is so strong, their whole body in check. In other words, if you gain control of your mouth, if you gain control of your words and, and how you say it and what you're saying, your entire body will just stay out of trouble. Let's be practical. Your tongue 
will, will seriously control your destiny. Your words, your words will control the quality of your life. And I know there's exceptions to some rules, but what I'm wanting you to understand and what I'm wanting myself to grab a hold of even deeper is no one is ever completely innocent when it comes to their tongue. And we can't start weighing it against, well, I wasn't as harsh as he was. Or I didn't say as many mean things as she did. Our goal, our goal is to keep our entire body out of sin, head to toe, and keep it in alignment. And the gateway to that is your words. Verse 3, he begins to explain why this is important. When we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you've ever been around horses. You've been around horses? Raise your hand just so I can get a vibe. Okay, well, I'm a good crowd. Here's the thing. I grew up around horses, and I know you haven't noticed yet, so I'm just going to just tell you because you still want to go, what? I'm not that tall. I right, thank you. Revelation over here in the teen group. You're fired. I'm a little guy, I get it, but I, I've, I've, this is just so powerful to me, and this is so applicable and practical for me. I worried my mom to death. We had horses when I was a kid. Uh, growing up, we had horses. At one point, I think we had four horses, and you're like, man, you lived on a farm? Nope. We lived in Miami, Missouri. We had about an acre and a half, maybe two acres. I tied my horse up to the front porch. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking, and you're 100% right. Tom, I'm not even going to argue with them, because they're right. You're right. The, every, what you just thought, you are dead on. And yes, my father was from Kentucky, but that's not important right now. My mother's from Tennessee, and dadgummit, we tied horses to the front porch. Blessed God. I worried my mom to death. I had this, uh, I had this pinto pony, and I'm super original, so I named him Trigger. If you're my age, you're going to go... I know who that is. It was so big that I would lead it over by the picnic table, and I would climb up on the picnic. We're not to the funny part yet, so there's, unless it's in your mind already, you're getting this image, and I put my leg over this horse, and it was like he was just watching me like, okay, you're almost there. You're almost there. And as soon as my bottom touched the saddle, if I was using a saddle, he would lose his mind. One time, I jumped off of the horse because I, I couldn't control it. Dad said, get on it. We're not going to use a saddle. Just get on it. You're going to learn how to ride this horse. You got it, Dad. Get up on the pitted table. Got on it. I, all I'm holding is to this horse's uh, mane. I'm like, I'm, I jumped off. Dad got so mad at me. He said, you have to control that horse. I'm like, Dad, are you blind? I didn't say this. As, as a 59-year-old man, I'm thinking, are you so blind, Dad, that you don't see this horse has muscles in its legs like a bag of serpents. I'm like, do you not see the smoke come out of its nose as soon as I touch its back? you got to control the horse. And Dad would get that bridle, and he'd stick that bit in that horse's mouth. And little bitty Jeff could handle that horse. And this is so real to me. Because Dad would say, you just have to barely... Because I started out, if you ever started out riding a horse, those two reins, I used to hold them like this. Horse, don't worry, buck me off. Dad's like, no, no, no. No, 
It is the bit that controls the whole body. So be gentle. Understand it. Be one with it. You get the idea. I say to you to tell you this, that I understand James' illustration here because physics would have proven that I shouldn't be able to ride that horse. Most, most definitely, I shouldn't be able to control it. But I could. And I did. Because I had control of his mouth. And James says this, if you don't like that example, look at James 3, 4. Or take the ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. You've heard these verses. I just want you to, I want you to feel the weight of these verses. And both of these examples... James is saying to us that even though the bit and even though the rudder is very small, they have great influence, tremendous influence on how we navigate through life, how we move in and out of our relationships. Our words make all the difference in the world. Verse 5, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. Would you think about the size of your tongue for a moment? Everybody right now, you're kind of feeling it out. I get it. Your tongue's about average. It's about four inches long. It's made up of eight muscles. And here's something that's not going to surprise you, and that is your muscles in your tongue never, ever get tired. I don't know why you're elbowing your wife, dudes. It's not a good idea. But I'm saying that it is so important for us to understand that it will not wear out. When I was, Kim and I were talking about this, and I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the interwebs, I'm trying to find out some information, and I, I'm like, is the muscle an organ, or is the tongue an organ or a muscle? If you think it's a muscle, raise your hand. If you think it's an organ, raise your hand. It's a muscular organ. True story. Because it has a function, it has a purpose, and it is the tongue and your calves are the two muscles that are the strongest. And we don't even think about it. Most of the day. The only time I think about my tongue is when it gets me into trouble. Hmm. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Now, in, 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 um, in verse 2, when it says we are able to keep our whole body in check, parents, you should understand this. When, 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 a, when your kid, when, little, when your little princess... When, when she mouths off to you, do you just put her mouth in timeout? No, no, no. When, when, when Junior looks at you and says, I ain't going to do that, Mom, sorry. You have to get somebody else to do that. Do you, do, you, do, you, do, do you just chastise the mouth? No, there's another area of your body that usually gets dealt with. When you... Get in trouble at your job. Is it just your mouth that gets money done? No. What I'm trying to get you to see is our tongue, our words, keeps our entire body out of check or keeps it in trouble. It will keep you from sinning or you will sin because of it. And you're like, well, when, I, when I'm doing fill in blank of my favorite sin right here, when I'm doing that, I'm not using words. It's the words that got you there. 
It's the words you just said in your head. It's the words you've spoken out loud. It's the words that you didn't say. It's the words you didn't pray. Your entire body can be kept in check. And then he said this in the rest of verse 5. He said, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. All of you probably have one of those lighters at home, red, green, whatever, and you click it. And by the way, the universal, it takes four clicks for anything to come out of it. I don't know why, but that's true. And you click it, and that little flame pops up. I want you to look at this. This is a, this is a picture. That's a picture in Northern California. And that was started by a flame that was smaller than the one that comes out of my little red lighter. Listen, listen. We need to manage and be stewards of our words and our mouth and our tongue for the increase of God's kingdom because it can burn a relationship down so fast. It can burn someone's self-esteem so fast. It can ignite a child, and you can run that kid away, or, or, maybe we'll talk about this at another time, or the things that it could do to the good, mm, it can change lives. Look at verse 6, the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. In other words, the tongue has the potential to do unspeakable evil to you, it has the potential to do uns and bring unspeakable evil to your mind, to your body. Every kind of evil can be initiated by the tongue. Divorce is initiated by words spoken. Come on now. Infidelity is sparked because of words spoken. Wars are started because words are spoken. I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to pause because I want you to think about your words. You're like, wow, Jeff, the sermon done? No. But God said, as plain as day, we need to slow this thing down because I want to heal someone of their broken words. So I'm just going to take a second. I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads. We're not, we're not praying. You can pray. I just want you to, to live in this moment for a minute about your words, what they are, how they're delivered, and ask God to speak to your heart. Thank you for your patience, your cooperation with that. Father, you've, you've, you've been very clear to me at this moment. 
givers of our words that have been destructive. Our tongues. Whether they're typed out or spoken, God, we're sorry. In Jesus' name. Again, verse 6, the tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. Sets the whole course of one's life on fire. James is trying to get us to see, in the way only James can, that this little tongue has the potential to bring success or bring failure to our lives and to the ones that we do life with, to take us into our destiny or run us straight off the rails with just a mismanaged spark. Towns are erased from the map. With a mismanaged spark, you can burn down careers. And when this happens and we're confronted by it, most of the time, because we know what we mean, we know what we were trying to say. So many times, we respond by defending ourselves And isn't it interesting that we defend ourselves? I defend myself with more words. Well, somebody had to say it. Well, I was just mad. Well, we've got to start, we've got to stop rationalizing. We've got to stop making excuses. And let's adhere to what James is trying to get us to say. But the truth is, if you start a wildfire, you are responsible for it, even if it wasn't your intention. The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Verse 6, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I got to this verse, and I just hung out there for a second. What James is talking about right here, it's, it's, not, it's not hell as we know it in, in the sense of eternal separation from God. It's, it's, not, it's not what it means. It's, it, it literally means, translated, the source of evil. I would paraphrase it like this, that the power of Satan over your life, he can set it on fire and what he uses to ignite it is your tongue. So, so, so basically, when, it, when it's, it's itself set on fire by hell... It means that the forces of the enemy, Satan, whatever you call him, Beelzebub, he can burn up our life. He can destroy a work. He can destroy a church. He can destroy your ministry. He can destroy your character. And nothing brings him more pleasure. It is the very source of evil. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed or subdued by mankind. Mankind is not threatened by the birds. I I mean, yeah, I saw the movie too. Uh, Mankind is not threatened by reptiles for the most part uh, or or fish because we've subdued them. But man, I want you to get this because it's so important. Verse 8 says, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless 
evil, full of deadly poison. As I, as I was studying this, you know, I've said, I've said something for years, decades, where I've said, you know what, we're all just one decision away from blowing it. I've said that for, but when I, as I'm studying this, as I'm, as I'm trying to drill down a little deeper for my own growth, and, and, and now I just hitched you onto this wagon, something that just stopped me in my tracks, and I couldn't even continue on in the study until I dealt with this, I, can, I could ruin my ministry with a couple of sentences right now. I could, figuratively speaking, burn this church to the ground in a couple of sentences right now. I could turn some of you away from the faith in Jesus Christ that you cherish so much with a couple of sentences, and I'm not even saying you're weak. I'm saying the power of the tongue is such that it can burn something to the ground. So when I say we're one decision away from blowing it, it's even more impactful to me when I understand I'm one sentence away from destroying you. We're destroying me. Destroying a reputation. Man, I've seen it happen. I've, I've been in church since I was five years old. I have seen it happen. I've seen men and women of God lose their dang mind up trying to teach or preach and say something just absolutely crazy and you're listening to it and now you're questioning everything you believe because you want to trust this person, right? And you hear what they're saying and now it's like, now I don't even know which end is up. And the enemy takes that and begins to burn things down. This and then that and then this. I could say things right now, and next week, Pastor Dwayne could stand up here, and he would say, well, you guys were here last week. You remember what Jeff said? Um, you heard it. He wanted me to let you know he's sorry. You ever been in one of those services? I have. I've been in one of those services. Hey, where's so and so? Yeah, we're going to address that. He, he sent a letter that I'm going to read. I, I, there are few things as heartbreaking to me as someone in leadership position, especially in the kingdom of God, that does not have control of their words, and you watch people get burnt down right in front of you. It's heartbreaking. And understand this, and I don't like this as, any more than you do, but the reality is once you burn it down, you almost can't rebuild it. Thank God that, there are, that it is possible. But people aren't as forgiving as you think. It is poison. And that's the damage. That's the scary potential of this small 
member creating huge problems for the entire body and the entire body of Christ. Amen. And then he tries to, James tries to illustrate how unpredictable the tongue is. And there's a chance, man, some of you have already done this today. I said, I said there's, there's a chance that, oh, let me just read it. Verse 9, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. God help us. We come corporately like this and we start praising God. And we'll leave here and vote to deny people basic human rights. When, when did the church lose sight of we love others like we love ourselves? We can come in here and we can praise God and then stand on somebody's neck to get ahead. We'll praise God and then we'll crucify someone at dinner, talk, them, talk about them behind their backs. Oh, I want you to get this. With the tongue we praise the Lord our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. James continues, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, I said this on Wednesday, this is so important that he says this. He's putting himself, he's James, the brother of Jesus, and he puts us on our level. We're all brothers and sisters. I'm not the boss, I ain't in charge. James says, listen, I'm trying to talk to you. You've got to get this. Brothers, sisters, family. He said, this should not be. I, I, got to, I got to read it again. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters. This should not be. And he continues, can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? And they would have replied, No. My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? And they would have replied, no. Can a grapevine bear figs? No. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And their no would have stuck right here. Because he just said, we bring two kinds of water every time we open our mouth. Unless we're managing our words. I, I, I think if maybe if we would sometimes pause and ask ourselves why we're say, getting ready to say something. Is this beneficial? Am I wanting to be right at someone or right with someone? I think it would, if we just slow our roll, or as we talked about Wednesday, be quick to listen. I said be quick to listen. And it doesn't mean you can listen any faster. It just means listening becomes priority one. And it says be slow to speak. Literally translated, be late to say something. Go for the awkward pause while you wait and be slow to speak. James is, he said, Jeff, why, why is James telling us? Well, I mean, we, we thought you were talking about words. I am, and James is. He is. He's talking about words. And you need to understand how unnatural cursing out of your mouth is. How unnatural it is to say something 
harsh to an individual. To not have our words wrapped in grace and mercy and, of course, love. See, James, we, we need some applications. Give us some hope. James, James, okay, you, you got us in this. We're, we're kind of perplexed and we're in this weird place now because we, we were on board with all of those examples. You know, salt water, fresh water, no. Figs, grapevines, no. They're like, tell us something. James, James, tell us something. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Not here anyway. Instead, he moves on to the next topic. And I think he does that because there's no one and done. There's not a recipe. It takes us completely changing our mind about our words. Every day, all He doesn't offer, say this prayer. He doesn't offer, go here, go there. He doesn't offer it. He just moves on. No matter how long you've walked with Jesus, it will be a struggle till you get home to heaven. Yeah, it's a constant thing. There's a constant potential in our words for great good. There's a constant potential for horrible things to happen. It determines the direction, the quality of your life. It will determine the direction, quality of your family, your church. So Jeff, what do we do? James didn't help us too much. We all feel pretty horrible right now. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're still here. I want to build a bridge right here. If you'll give me five more minutes. I want to talk about the great things the tongue can produce. But before we even get there, I want to look at three words, three very simple words. You're familiar with the words. What I want you to leave here with today is this practical example. Remember, surrender, confess. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? We're talking about our words. We're talking about our tongue. We're talking about how we conduct ourselves every day, all day. If, if, if the potential to burn someone down is real, if the potential to train wreck your life is real, if the potential to ruin a ministry is real, then I'm asking you, Join me in remember, surrender, and confess. Would you say that with me? Remember, surrender, confess. Would you say it one more time? You say, Jeff, what am I supposed to remember? Well, I'm going to ask you as you leave here today to remember the power you have in your words. You've got to keep this in your mind. You may not feel powerful, but you are wielding so much power with your words. You're wielding so much power. Remember, every time you open your mouth, especially when you're stressed, especially when you're angry, especially when you're aggravated, especially when you're wound up, especially when you're hungry, like right now, especially when you're tired, 
especially when you're looking at something and it's starting to get under your skin. Stay with me. Remember how powerful your words are. Whenever you're looking at something and you don't think it should be A, B, and C, you're completely convinced it should be D, E, and F. And until they do D, E, and F, I'll wait right here. Remember the power of your words. Remember the power of your words. Get on your kid's level. Get on your kid's level and minister to your kids. Lead your kids. Think about how you're speaking to your kids. What you didn't hear me say is compromise. You didn't hear me say loosen the You didn't hear. What you heard me say was get on their level. Remember the power of your words. And when you're talking to your children, whether they're grown like mine and Miss Kim's, or little. Remember the power of your words. Because were it not for my mother's words, who was so forgiving and so full of grace, Mom said very few things. It wasn't until I was married and my mother wrote it in a card. Miss Kim will tell you this is the truth. It's the only time I ever heard her say, and it wasn't even her saying, she said, I love you. But there's nobody on this planet outside of my wife that's ever loved me more than my mom. I knew that. You know how I knew that? She said everything else. Remember the power of your words. And then I'm going to ask you to surrender. You need to surrender to the temptation of being right. Remember the power of your words. Surrender to the temptation of being right, especially if you've been burnt. Because there's something that validates us. There's something inside of us when we've been hurt by the church. There's something that happens when we've been hurt by a man, when hurt by a woman. There's something that happens when our kids hurt our feelings. There's something that happens where it gives us a free pass to do whatever we want to do when our spouse acts a fool. You don't get a pass, and I don't get a pass. Surrender to the temptation of getting even. Surrender to the temptation of retaliation. Remember the power of your words. And I know it's a cliche, but my mama was right. If you don't have anything good to say, mom's still preaching even though she's in heaven. We need to surrender this powerful weapon called the tongue. It's an invitation for us to surrender our mouth and our words to Jesus Christ, thus managing our entire body. I encourage you, man, start your day with God, Heavenly Father, whatever, however you address him. Remind me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Remind me, I want to remember all day the power in my words, and I'm surrendering to you. And then confess. If you've burnt somebody down, 
even though you were 100% right. If someone's carrying the scars of your words, or maybe someone's carrying the scars of your lack of words, confess immediately, like before you leave here, like without excuse, like without delay, like without explanation. Confess with a period at the end, not a comma, but. Because as soon as the comma but gets in there, you're saying, forget this, here's the meat of it. Confess. Confess your sin. Your sin of damaging words or your sin of withholding good words. Confess. Again, even if you're right. Parents, our words are the heaviest words in our kids' lives. Our words, parents, carry more weight than anyone else's words. Remember, surrender, confess. Kids, hey kids, listen to me. You're in here. Young adults, your words carry more weight to your mom and dad than you'll ever, ever know. Remember, surrender. Confess. God help us see it. Ladies, please hear me. Guard the words you speak to the, the men in your life. They carry so much weight. Can I tell you something? Every Sunday when I walk in the door, I find Miss Kim. And I've said this I don't know how many times over the last 20 plus years. And she'll look at me, and she'll say an encouraging thing to me, because she understands, she understands the weight that I carry. Ladies, I'm not saying he's always right, but I am saying your words carry so much weight. And men... I try, to keep the, uh, I try to keep the balance in terms of how harsh I try to deliver something. But man, let me tell you something. I love you. But you need to honor all the women in your life with your words. You need to honor all the women in your life with your words. I'm going to go over here and say it until somebody says amen. You need to honor the women in your life, all the women in your life with your words. All of them. Your granddaughter, your daughter, your mom, your wife. Yeah, even the foul-mouthed ladies at work. You need to honor the women in your life with your words. For those of you, I'm, I'm going to close. For those of you that grew up in homes where words were used as a weapon, and the fields of your life have been scorched, they've been set ablaze by fire for the sake of the generation behind you. 
Don't repeat that cycle. If you already have, remember, surrender, and confess. You can break it today. You can break it. You can break the cycle. You're like, well, I'm waiting because they still haven't said they're sorry. They don't, they're not in charge of managing your tongue. You are. And whether you ever get an apology, we all hold the responsibility of this bit, this rudder, this tongue that can set ablaze. Stop it. Break the cycle today. Oh, let me just go one step farther. Break it now. Now. If you have had your field scorched by someone's words and you catch yourself every now and again and people are trying to clue you in on it, oh, you sound just like your dad. You sound just like your mom. Break it now. Break it now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to close. We're just going to pray. I'm inviting you to come to this altar. We still use this altar to sacrifice things. And I think some of us need to surrender our tongues. Some of us need to surrender our tones. Some of us need to surrender our heart. If you lived with someone who ran you down and someone was mean to you or someone played just devastated you emotionally, mentally, if you lived with that as a child, if you've lived with that as an adult, we will be inclined to resort to that behavior. And even though you struggle to stop it, even though you try your best not to do it, it's there. Break it. Break the generational things that have been on you. You may have even heard things come out of your mouth. The Holy Spirit's convicted you of it. Break the cycle. Today. Break it now. Remember, surrender, and confess, Father, in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I am just so, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm disturbed. God, I need you to write my mind here. I need you to speak to me, Lord Jesus. God, free us. Free us from our words that have been destructive. Free us from our lack of words that have been equally as destructive. Maybe you're here and you say, Jeff, I do get, I get the gravity of it. I understand. And it is, it's a problem. It's a problem for me. It's a problem for me. I'm, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm asking you to take this all the way to the altar. 
Because, listen, we don't mind burning fields and burning house downs with our words in public or aloud. Why would we want to come to Jesus in secret? If you say, Jeff, this is a problem for me, I'm going to ask you to get out of your seat, come to this altar, and surrender and confess your sin. And then whoever you have to talk to after that, that's on you. But I invite you to come.